What key life learnings would you like to pass on to your son and other young people? I would like my son to grow up in a world where his skin colour, his heritage, his gender, it doesn't adversely affect his opportunities in life. And I think that relies on me being a positive role model for him. I'm Patricia Kaziro, the founder of Impact Business School, and I'm bringing you the stories behind the new wave of profit for purpose companies and high impact businesses. Impact Business School is a digital ecosystem connecting impact-driven entrepreneurs to affordable, high-quality business education and the resources, partnerships and global opportunities to scale high-impact companies. On today's episode of Meet the Leaders Insider Stories with Impact Business Innovators, I'm speaking with Cathy Knorr. Cathy is the founder of Keynote Worthy, a platform which empowers diverse people to get speaking work that's paid. Kathy is a true game changer and she's got a very inspiring story behind her startup. I invite you to listen in to today's program and learn from her experience of setting up Keynote Worthy. Kathy, it's fantastic to have you on the show today here on Meet the Leaders Insider Stories with Impact Business Innovators. You're Sydney-based like me. I feel as though I know you because I see you on LinkedIn and I'm part of your keynote-worthy platform, but I really wanted to bring you in to delve deeper into your story today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and share my story. Thank you, Kathy. Well, I think to get started, could you tell us a little bit about how you came to start your business keynote-worthy and was there a problem that you saw that you wanted to solve? Well, like most business owners or entrepreneurs, sometimes we start our business purely by accident. So uh, to give you a bit of background as to what happened, a couple of years ago, I was a, a business editor and writer. And I went to all these like really fancy, fancy events, um, free tickets, by the way, because I was part <laughs> of the media. So I would get free tickets to, um, to see people like Brene Brown. So I just wow. felt like, you know, really VIP. But the more I went to these conferences, the more I found that there was a trend. So mm. speaker after speaker, everyone just kind of looked and sounded the same. Like, you know, the, uh, the cliche, Eye of the Tiger, like people just love playing that song. Yes. Um, I don't know what it is, but um, it just became so cliche. And there was a pivotal moment. Um, this was at a, ironically, health and safety wellbeing conference mm. I was there and the speaker uh, said um, turn to someone that you wouldn't normally talk to or meet with somewhere along the lines of that and I kid you not like I think about 15 people turned their heads towards me and really? I just felt yeah wow and at first I was kind of like oh wow you know like people look at me and then it, it clicked in my yeah. head that the only reason why people turned to me is because I was this little petite Asian girl who was just, you know, furiously writing down notes, whereas everyone else was the same. Um, so safety conference, you can imagine there would be some that were wearing safety boots, high-vis vests, just a variety of um, people in that industry. But I felt so weird and awkward that uh, I just thought, okay, you know, maybe it's just me. You know how sometimes we just tell stories in our head, you know, oh, you know, don't worry about it. 
yeah, yeah. just being nice and almost like you're gaslighting yourself. Um, yep. Anyway, so in that same conference, in that same um, session, at the end of the session, I went up to the speaker who was a, a futurist, a, a gentleman. He just, he was like six foot tall. And, and to give you some context, listeners, I am only five foot tall. He just <laughs> towered over me. And I was thinking, hey, I want to speak to the speaker, not you, but anyway, I just didn't want to be rude. And he basically just started asking me questions like, what are you doing? What? To paraphrase him, he was basically questioning my expertise as a writer, as a reporter, as someone that is genuinely interested in health, safety, belonging and inclusion. And, yeah, so that event was basically that pivotal moment for me in which I thought, hey, I, I have to do something about this. It's just even though I knew that I had all the qualifications and everything, I just felt so out of place. And it's not just me that feels out of place. Like as I, as I did a lot of research into the speaker and events industry, I, I realised that the industry excludes a lot of people. And that is sad because there's just so many fantastic people out there, not just in Australia, in our whole world as well. And we are missing out. We're missing out on their voices, their perspectives. Mm. And I think... You know, we've got the Glasgow um, conference coming up soon. And if we want to solve big problems in our world, like climate change, we need different perspectives to solve this problem. So um, basically the, the purpose of Keynote Worthy is just to give people the microphone uh, to include these fresh perspectives. Um, it's not just about ticking the box of diversity, inclusion, and, and making sure you have a, a Black person, Indigenous person, etc. It's about that multi-layered approach to having a meaningful discussion to solve world problems. And that's what it's all about. Amazing. Well, thank you so much to giving us an insight into the catalyst, which sounds as though it was that particular event, but also you did a lot of research to create such a practical solution to get diverse voices out there. And uh, given that this is a podcast, some of our listeners may be wondering what your cultural background is. You mentioned that you're Asian. Could you tell us a little bit more about your cultural background and what you perceive your own identity to be as well as how other people perceive you to be? Yeah, I really like the question of how others perceive you to be <laughs> because it's something that not a lot of people think about. Thankfully, I think a couple of months ago, I did ask a couple of business associates and friends like how they perceive me to be. So um, to answer your first question about cultural heritage, yep. so I'm Vietnamese Australian. I was born here and my parents came to Australia as Vietnamese refugees uh, in the early 90s. No, 80s, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm an 80s girl and then they had me. So I grew up, you know, just being fiercely independent because my parents were just trying to make a living, trying to assimilate in this new world, new country, learning yep. new language and so how I perceive myself as now is a, a businesswoman, a mother, an activist, someone that is quite positive I think, a bit uh, sarcastic <laughs> but I asked uh, a few other colleagues on how they perceive me and they said creative activist, someone that's vibrant um, yes. and does random cool things. <laughs> okay. For me, I love learning. So 
I'm always trying to expand my knowledge on whatever it may be. So, for example, on Facebook, I am a proud member of the Australian Native Birds Group. <laughs> I would so never I, have guessed. <laughs> yeah, I, I love learning about different uh, birds. Uh, I've started getting into bird watching. Um, last couple of months, I got back into painting, so learning different um, types of painting mediums, art mediums, and learning about art history. And that has been so interesting because history, you know, learning about history, you learn about the perspective in the past that shapes who we are today. Yeah, so I do a lot of random things. So if anyone has a, a conversation with me, they're probably like, what the hell? <laughs> What's the hell? What the yeah. hell is going on here? Yeah, what the hell is going on here? But I, I think that just makes life a lot more interesting. Yeah, Absolutely. And multi-layered, like you say, it's such an interesting family history that you have with uh, migrant parents from a refugee background. But as you say, you've got an interest in Australian history and wildlife and I'm, I'm curious whether people also don't guess that about you, given what you look like, that you do have this multi-layered and multi, multi-faceted personality. Yeah, I mean, people don't assume and, I mean, sorry, people don't realise. And it's, it's kind of sad because a lot of us are equipped with our own unconscious bias, yes. whether we like it or not. And there is this stereotype that if you are an Asian woman, you are submissive, you are quiet, and mm. um, you're probably an accountant or financial <laughs> professional. But I am not any of those at all. I don't fit that mould. And it's, it's really frustrating that I have to educate people sometimes um, to say that, no, I'm not that identity. To share you a story, there was actually a um, bit of a trigger alert um, I have been sexually harassed in public. So um, I remember there was one time I was working in the city and I was walking to Westfields, Westfields in the Sydney city one. And a guy was actually stalking me. Uh, He followed me into the shop and he started asking, firing all these questions. And I mean, I didn't know what to do or say, but just to answer it, because I was just like, in my head, I was like, WTF. Uh, so he was asking, um, just to sum up, he was asking questions like, oh, what do you do? I thought you were an accountant. Ha, 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 ha. He, think, he thought he was trying to be funny. but um, And he was a white man. And um, I, I wanted to share that story because it's, it's a common thing that a lot of Asian women are about to face, the whole you know, stereotypes and um, people just defining or thinking we are one identity but we are not. No, no. Well, thank you for sharing. And I think, um, look, I would have to probably do my own podcast episode to talk about all of my life experience as a biracial woman growing up here in Sydney and a lot of the misconceptions about me. Um, But I want to hear from you today. And it's such a, you, you laugh at the kind of the stupidity of it, but these kind of microaggressions and this kind of behavior, when you experience on a daily or a weekly basis, there's really a cumulative effect to all of it. I think it's good that you're able to even tell the story because, as you say, some people are not even aware that this is a common or everyday experience for women of colour or people who, in fact, look a little bit different. Thank you, Cathy. And um, coming back to Keynote Worthy and your desire to give diverse people a platform to speak, what gets you out of bed every morning to actually work on this mission? And 
The reason I ask this because I know that when people are working on projects that tackle social justice issues, for instance, it can be quite energetically draining to always be the spokesperson for a particular cause and to stand up and represent, you know, a different perspective. And you're going against the grain as well. I'm born and bred in Sydney, so I know exactly what you're talking about when you're saying there's a lack of uh, representation of diverse people at events. And you're definitely at the vanguard and changing that in the last couple of years. But what gets you up to do that every morning? I think I just have so many random cool things <laughs> that I do. So just knowing that I have the variety in the things that I do, whether that's go to the gym, taking my son to school. So those things help create that balance because if I keep on doing the, you know, the activism and, and helping yep. to empower diverse voices, then it, it is quite draining, like you say. Um, I remember first starting this social enterprise and I was just wondering why I felt so drained and it was because of the emotional labour that I put. Um, I'm, I'm listening to people's stories, uh, people who want to be speakers, who just don't have, they don't feel empowered to do it yet, but they want to do it one day. So just listening to their heartbreaking stories of overcoming adversities, was it, it, it impacted me, even though I didn't go through with it. But just listening to these stories was just, it was overload. And I was doing that for months. And I just came to a point where I felt so burnt out and mm. I just had all these negative thoughts in my head, like thinking like, what the hell am I doing? Yep. Even though I knew I was doing something great, I just felt really lost and kind of lonely in my own world. Yeah, so it was a really dark moment for me at that time. And luckily I did have professional help uh, in yes. the form of a psychologist to help me um, unpack how, how far into your business was that? And, and thanks for your, your candor because uh, I really want to use this podcast as a platform to get into the reality of entrepreneurship as well as change making. And it's a difficult process. So thanks, Kathy. What point of business did this happen to you? Well, it happened probably, I would say, in the first year. I mean, I had another layer of complexity, which was COVID. So I launched keynote worthy just before the pandemic happened so that was in October 2019 yes and I was on a roll like uh, had all this publicity had all these speakers lined up and then March hit and boom it was like it died and a piece of me inside died as well so it was just how do you bring that momentum back when this pandemic is here and when everyone is freaking out Overnight, uh, professional speakers have lost their jobs. Event managers have lost their jobs. It was just a lot to take in. Yes, of course. Yeah. So then luckily I had professional help to unpack that, like I, like I mentioned. It just <laughs> happened at a very unusual time. But I don't have any regrets because I believe things happen for a reason I think if I launched keynote worthy five years ago it wouldn't have the same impact as it does today and why, why is that well there's greater awareness of the inequalities in our society today I think yeah. people are a lot more empowered to speak up they're a lot more aware of their own privilege as well and it's like big events like George Floyd the Me Too movement, uh, a lot of things that have come out of America that yep. have created this movement all over the world 
And I think that has just raised a lot of awareness. And I thank those movements um, to, to create this impact for King Outworthy. It sounds like it's been an incredible time for you to launch. And I can appreciate being in business myself that it's been a challenging time to keep a business going. I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment, but I think it would be really useful for our audience if you can run us through how does the Keynote Worthy platform actually work and what's your vision for the platform moving forwards? So in terms of giving diverse speakers that space to, to get work, um, what do you think the ripple effect will be in empowering diverse voices? Well, the ripple effect is basically solving the world's to-do list. If I could share that, it's, it's like a slogan that CEO uses. Okay. Um, the credit to them. Yes. Um, basically, the world's to-do list is the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Yes. Um, there are 17 goals. So I think if we were to hand the microphone to diverse speakers and thinkers, we can together solve these goals. That's, that's my vision. And it's the right thing to do as well, you know, not just for society, but, you know, for the economic benefits, social benefits. There's, there's just so many benefits. And for me, my vision at the moment is just to create that awareness. And when I first started the business, it was just, I was just thinking about, yeah, giving the microphone to people. So that's why I created the directory. But I realised two years in now that it's much more than that it's about solving worldwide issues what sort of problems have been solved so far or, or that your speakers have spoken about if you can give us an insight into that so i'll give you an example there are a couple of events in which i have called out for their lack of diversity and so through having conversations with them privately they realized that hey there's a gap that they were missing they were missing a lot of voices so that's one thing so that event was a fintech event so they were missing uh, women voices on the panel you had a conversation with the event uh, organizers and did they end up putting women onto that panel to make it more equitable so for that particular example, no, they, they didn't, um, unfortunately, but it did create that conversation and that awareness. And I think I see it, but I have a choice whether to do something about it or not. It's not about making money for me. It's about doing what's right. And then so I, I feel as though I'm so exhausted just calling it out. Yeah. Like it's like a full-time job. Like if I could make money every single time I call something out, I would be rich by now, but I mean, I don't. Um, yeah, but the main goals that I'm solving is gender equality yeah. and also creating opportunities for people, so uh, paid opportunities. And I'm, I'm really passionate about speakers getting paid because mm. uh, people of colour in particular have been, you know, taken advantage of like there's a lot of speakers who just because of their background, they don't get paid and someone equivalent of their experience and gets paid. And it's, it's, just, it's just shocking the inequalities. And I would like to, this is um, part of my goals, is to create greater transparency around this. So you, you know how there's pay gaps and transparency yes. around people's salaries uh, according to their work experience etc there's actually pay grades 
in a speaker world, there isn't any of that. And, you know, if you are a Black Indigenous person of colour, you, you wouldn't know. Like, um, and I have found through speaking to people that it's the, the BIPOC people that are undervaluing themselves. Yes. Yeah, there's, um, there's a speaker, she's of Asian background who lives in Victoria and she's doing her PhD at the moment. Very smart, charging around just under $2,000 for that session and the equivalent session of someone that was equally, if not less actually, was charging six times more than that. Really? That's incredible. That person is a, a white person. So mm. I'm, I'm just saying this to, to give perspective to people on the gap that exists. Look, I think that's wonderful and, and thank you so much for sharing because as a business coach, I do end up doing a lot of mindset work with women about earning their worth in business. I have to say there are certain patterns in different groups of people that connect their sense of money and their worth based on perhaps their cultural background uh, and, and unfortunately, a lot of this is because of how other people perceive them and how they, they're raised in a certain con- social context. So we end up seeing ourselves through the lens of others until I think we often get older and start to question a lot of the, the paradigms that we've grown up in. And why is it that I'm earning less than my peers when I felt that I was just as smart in school or, you know, we have these experiences in our 30s and older that a lot of things, we start to question a lot of our life experiences based on how we're perceived. So I think that's really wonderful that you're challenging and trying to make that actually transparent so people can just see in a very matter-of-fact way what they should be getting paid. I wonder for you, was it was it challenging to transition into being an entrepreneur? Were either of your parents in business or has this been a relatively easy leap for you? It, it wasn't an easy leap because I don't think business is easy as glamorous as it looks. No. It, it's easy. It's so hard. <laughs> Getting into business was, I guess, easier for me because I've had a few businesses in the past okay. and most of them have been on the side. So this is another one of Kathy's random cool things that she's done, which yeah. is I used to be a uh, personal trainer. So while I was uh, in corporate world uh, doing my HR and comms jobs, I was also a boot camp instructor, a personal trainer on the side. Uh, <laughs> I, I stopped that um, because I was like eight months pregnant and I couldn't do it anymore. So I stopped sure. seeing I launched Keynote Worthy while I was working for someone part-time in a senior editor and writer position you know having that stable income helped me to launch this business if it was just you know full-time on this business from the start I don't think it would work um, purely because I wouldn't have the funds and and I think just having something on the side I don't know creates that sense of appreciation in the beginning I think when you have something just full-time just one thing only you, you listeners or for you Patricia but mm. for some people like, it's a job you're creating a job and then you kind of like feel the sense of resentment and but for me um, I've got multiple things going on at once to give that variety and to give me that yeah sense of appreciation for each thing that I do it sounds um, like a, it sounds like a great strategy and I think People who are transitioning into entrepreneurship often don't realise just how hard it's going to be. And I definitely recommend having some sort of financial strategy to help 
buffer yourself as you as you monetize your business. And I love that you've got several different avenues that you're pursuing at once so that in fact the business is joyful as well yeah business is joyful like I mean yes there are some hard bits but I I don't have any regrets and in fact when I quit my part-time job I wrote on a post-it note I don't want to ever work for someone again (laughs) yeah I don't want to ever work for someone because people like me at the moment don't belong so what do you mean by that I feel there isn't this sense of belonging for people who are a little different, especially in the corporate world. Mm. And I know that sounds quite, you know, (laughs) doom and gloom, but there is a lot of work to do for belonging and inclusion um, with businesses and corporates. Um, I think it's easier to influence the smaller to medium businesses. But when, because I've worked for corporates, I've worked for big banks and insurance firms and it's a lot of, at the moment, just, you know, lip service. You know, if you were to say, and I, I think I am going off tangent here, PwC recently, you know, PwC as a consulting firm has been very big on diversity and inclusion. And yes. recently, a couple of weeks ago, they were in the press for uh, racism. One of their HR executives uh, was mocking uh, Chinese people. And they were wearing uh, costumes, uh, bat costumes, You know, it just, it's disappointing and there is a long, long way to go. But, you know, I can just sit here and complain about it or I can do something about it. And I've chosen just to do something about it while also recognising that, hey, there's a lot of work to do. Well, look, I'm I'm glad we, we had a chat about this because I'm very much in business myself for similar reasons. And... I felt that I couldn't progress in my career when I worked for other people. I worked for many, many years um, for other organisations and I couldn't innovate and be myself. And I, I certainly didn't ever get the jobs that I really felt that I deserved and was capable of doing and on merit. So for me, entrepreneurship is this wonderful space that you can come into and actually work on the issues that you care about, but also lead and monetize your intellect and your knowledge and everything that you've learned through lived experience and to help others. So what you're saying resonates so deeply, Kathy. So I'm, I'm glad we went on that tangent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, and, and I, I want to use this uh, podcast as a way to, to help other people who are having similar experiences where they're thinking of going out into business, working on a problem or an issue that they've seen and feeling confident to do so and to know that they can monetize their intellect and their skills and create the sense of belonging through a modern company that they create themselves. So I appreciate you saying that. And just coming back to to COVID and this challenging period that we've lived through over the last 18 months, have you got any learnings or lessons about staying afloat in business when there are market challenges? And I think your industry must have been one of the hardest hit. So what would be uh, any lessons that you've learned along the way? The lesson that I learned is to just keep that uh, relationship going. So a lot of speakers have a trade, a background, whether that's in data or finance, whatever it may be. I think it's just going back to that. And I've had a lot of conversations with speakers to say, you know, yes, your income stream or one of your income streams was speaking, but now let's just go back to basics 
and, and the beginnings where, you know, what, what motivated you to start this in the first place. So going back to the trade and just up, trying to upskill yourself, that's what I was sort of telling people. It's been a difficult year and a half and obviously the speaking industry has been badly affected. Is there something you've learned or maybe a way that you've pivoted or adapted your business? Oh, I've learned a lot of things um, about myself, about yeah. business. I learned to slow down. Uh, I think a lot of business owners will resonate with this. Um, when I started the business, it was just full on, full on, full on, full on. Yeah. And then when, when COVID hit and everything slowed down, it forced me to slow down. And I'm the type of person that likes to do multiple things at once and be really, really busy and active. But it was a transition period for me, but I'm glad I slowed down because I didn't realise how burnt out I was mm. and all that emotional labour as well that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yes. Um, so just time to do other activities rather than work, 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 because I wasn't looking after myself. And, no. you know, if you don't look after yourself, there is no business. There's nothing. Right. That's a great point. Very hard to run a successful business when you're burnt out. <laughs> yeah, when you're running empty, it's impossible. So, yeah, yeah COVID did make me realise that uh, of myself. Also, another thing is reconnecting with people who I haven't spoken to in a long time. COVID also made me a lot more vulnerable and, what is it, share, share things that I wouldn't normally. So, I think I was at the, the point where I was just like, you know what, doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm just going to share what I need to share and um, be really transparent about it. So I did talk about my mental health and, yeah, just how I'm feeling at that time. And um, a lot of people messaged me on, let's just say, LinkedIn, um, yeah. email as well, just saying, oh, thank you so much for, for posting that because I didn't realise I was feeling that until I read your post. Just that's another thing that I've learned um, during COVID. And another thing that I've learned with encouragement from my psychologist, so credit to her, to give you some context. I grew up in a world where a measurement of success is the money that you have. So it does, doesn't matter what job you have. You can you know, be whatever you are, just as long as you make money you are respected. So that was the sort of mindset that was drilled in me as, as a child. And that was just my family's perspective. Like they just did whatever they could. That was just their values. For me, it was trying to create that balance while also doing something I love. And I feel as though I'm in constant conflict of that, mm. especially since the beginning of my career. Like it's just that balance you know and so I think more and more I've realized that hey don't worry about the money it will come and the more I have that mindset the mindset of abundance money has come I was brought up in a world where it was always about scarcity so the COVID has made me unlearn a lot of things it sounds like it's been a, a very transformative experience and I appreciate you sharing four of those little stories because uh, it will be helpful also for people who are, have a passion project that they want to get started but they similarly might have been raised in an environment where they're told you need to go and get a job and earn money 
And for people who are very purpose-driven, there can often be that conflict between the need to survive and earn money and the need to do something that's meaningful and values-driven. I love to hear that you, you are actually commercialising and being able to earn money from your business doing something that you love. So that's fantastic. And uh, Cathy, you're, you're also an accomplished speaker in your own right and you've facilitated training sessions to empower women of colour. Who inspires you to be a thought leader working on this complex issue of diversity and inclusion? Have you got anybody else within this diversity uh, and inclusion space who you work with to amplify your impact? I never thought of myself as a thought leader. So, um, so it's, it's very interesting and humbling that you say that as well. Yeah. Uh, I think it's purely by accident. So I started Keynote really to raise other people's voices. And I wasn't really thinking about my voice, even though I've done public speaking since I was 13 and I love speaking in front of people. Um, but I, I never thought of myself as being that spokesperson. It just, I don't know, it just came naturally to me because when we are so invested in something that we love, whether that is Australian native birds <laughs> or, or CrossFit or, yes. um, you know, whatever it might be, we just talk about it um, and then there's this glow in us when we love something so much just this business that I've created and the things that I do I talk about it with so much love and I think that has you know rubbed on to some people uh, it wasn't my intention at all and then so they have in turn asked me to speak at events amazing um, so where I can, I will pass it on to people who are actually qualified for it. The thing that I've learned about speaking is sometimes it's not about the subject matter expert or the topic. It's about the person and what, um, you know, what their energy brings. Mm. And then so, um, you know, I, I found that, hey, um, the energy that I bring is a little bit different to um, perhaps people who talk about the topic that I talk about because it can be quite jarring. It is hard to talk about the injustices and things in our world, but um, another thing that I love to do is just sharing a message with kindness, compassion and hope to actually bring people together instead of divide. So I find a lot of diversity, inclusion and equity consultants or even people in the social change, social impact space, it's very jarring. And I think, I mean, yes, the intent is there and their passion is there, but there is an art to communicating a message uh, with impact. So that is something that I hope people work more and more on mm. and uh, perhaps focusing on their communication skills, their speaking skills would help, um, you know, having that self-awareness, um, self-improvement would just do wonders and um, yeah, just to answer your earlier question about who I look up to, I, I look up to a lot of people, um, but I want to shout out um, to one person in particular is Winitha Bonnie. She is my uh, business partner for the Women of Colour Speakership Program. You know, we, we got together purely by accident. We were just having a conversation just to catch up. And then I said to her, hey, why don't we just start like a public speaking program? Because I've noticed like a lot of there's lack of women of color out there 
what do you say? <laughs> she said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, yeah, we've um, collaborated. So at the moment, uh, we're not running a program now. We're working towards um, a, a bigger and better program, uh, which will be launched next year in 2022. So yes. watch this space. Fantastic. And uh, I will definitely be watching you and Winifa and, and look forward to seeing what you can co-create together because I think when we work in partnership with people, we can really amplify our impact. So, so thanks for sharing about Winifa. And um, just as we start to wrap up, Kathy, I know that you're a mum to a young son and he's just gone back to school. You've got a lot of, of hats that you juggle as an entrepreneur, including being a CEO, an activist, a board director, keynote speaker and a comedian. What key life learnings would you like to pass on to your son and other young people so that they can reach their full potential as humans, as people of colour and hopefully also as champions of diversity? Uh, I would like my son to just grow up in a world where his skin colour, his heritage, his gender, it doesn't adversely affect his opportunities in life. Mm. He's in kindergarten at the moment, so he doesn't feel limited by anything. They they feel fearless and that they can do whatever they, they can in the world. So I would like that to continue on for him. And, and I think that relies on me um, being a positive role model for him. Yes. So whenever he says something that is quite a bit strange, then I <laughs> call him out on it and I ask him, you know, why do you feel this particular way and kind of really unpack that? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, kids, they just hear things from other kids or from YouTube, from TV, and mm. they don't actually mean any malice or harm. No, so, they're picking um, it up from adults, ironically. Yeah, from other adults. So for me, it's just about asking the right questions and really challenging him and others with as much kindness as possible because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And so I think just having that approach rather than the approach of my parents, my parents would just tell me that, that you know this is that and it's final no no arguments no nothing <laughs> felt like I didn't have a voice just had to nod and accept it for okay. what it was and that carried on to my professional life my personal relationships with others my friendships everything but yeah I just want my son to not have any boundaries I love that I absolutely love that and, and would hope that his future has also, as you say, has no boundaries. That's a very powerful statement. And just to finish up for today, what's one piece of advice you could share with our listeners who may also wish to start an impact-driven company about how they can create impact? I would recommend just really thinking about what you're trying to achieve and what your values are and also Think about whether others are doing that as well. And the reason why I say this is because, again, I'm, I'm a bit of a skeptic. <laughs> there are a lot of people, let's just say, um, that get into the whole eco bandwagon. For example, swimwear. There are a lot of people who, um, I'm just giving an example, have created swimwear that is made from recycled materials, recycled bottle. But there are a lot of businesses doing that at the moment question you know whether you're starting a business for your own ego or you're actually trying to solve a problem so if you are genuine about solving a problem there are other ways you could collaborate with someone else you could buy that swimwear 
you could um, donate to other causes that helps make that happen. You know, there are other avenues as well. So yeah, think about what is it that you're trying to achieve and have your own unique spin to it. Otherwise, you're just doing what everyone else is doing. And that is not sustainable. No, I think that's a great a great point to end on because it's so important in business to be doing your market research before you set off on your impact or business journey and seeing what other players are in the market and who's doing what and how can you add value to what's already being done rather than to compete. And I think collaboration really and partnerships are the future of creating impact for business. So I love that you've brought that up. Kathy. it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Uh, this has been such a deep and rich conversation about many of the different elements of diversity and inclusion, which you've been tackling through your business keynote worthy. I can't wait to see uh, what you and Winifred get started next year. And uh, thank you for joining me today on the program. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Well, we covered a lot of ground in today's episode of Meet the Leaders Insider Stories with Impact Business Innovators. Kathy has such a powerful story because you can see how passionate she is about creating change and social justice for underrepresented groups. And I really appreciate her honesty in sharing the story behind her startup because, as you can hear, it is quite a taxing role to be educating people about equality and to change uh, what's very much an established events scene. So thank you for joining our conversation on Meet the Leaders Insider Stories from Impact Business Innovators. I invite you to take the learnings from Kathy's startup story, be courageous in living your own values and to build better businesses. I appreciate you and have a great day.